Let us pray. O Lord, would you break open our hearts to your word and your word to our hearts. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This is a poem by the Orcadian poet George Mackay Brown. He calls it the poet. I like to call it the priest. Therefore, he no more troubled the pool of silence, but put on mask and cloak, strung a guitar and moved among the folk. Dancing, they cried, ah, how our sober islands are gay again since this blind lyrical tramp invaded the fair. Under the last dead lamp, when all the dancers and masks had gone inside, his cold stare returned to its true task, interrogation of silence. I want you to listen once again to the words of Isaiah. These are the opening words in the first chapter of this great book that some have called the fifth gospel. Sodom and Gomorrah have been destroyed some 500 years prior to Isaiah's writing, and they have entered into folklore. They have become bywords of those places of evil, of sin, of corruption, of all that is bad about the world. Israel distanced itself from such places, pointed the finger at them. But here Isaiah calls Israel Sodom and Gomorrah. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the teaching of our God, you people of Gomorrah. What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord. I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of well-fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or of goats. But when you come to me to appear before me, who is required of you this trampling of my courts? Bring no more vain offerings. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and the calling of convocations. I cannot endure iniquity and solemn assembly. Your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. 
Remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Pre-plead the widow's cause. Come now. Let us reason, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Not difficult to see why it's called the fifth gospel sometimes, is it? But it seems that there's something that God despises about hypocrisy. You know, that action where we point one finger at others while three point back at ourselves, but we only see the one and not the three. The trouble with hypocrisy is it tries to find fault with others. But what is hypocrisy? This accusing of the other while not looking at ourselves is what God seems to abhor. The ability to not look at ourselves. Why? Because we know that inside we're actually not worthy ourselves. It is this fear of finding what's really there. And so it's easier just to point at others. The story we heard from the gospel of Zacchaeus, this little man, this little tax collector, I want you to think about that story again. But as we do, imagine that you yourself live in a country some distance from here, Ukraine. Particularly in eastern Ukraine, on the borders of Russia. Imagine that your home has been invaded by the Russian army. Imagine that this force has swept in and now occupies your land. Imagine that Russia has now annexed your land, declared it to be part of its own country. You now belong to the motherland. Imagine now that the Russian soldiers are required and commanded, having beaten and brutalized your women, having shot your young men in the head against the walls, that they now are raising money for their army to advance in other places, further across your country. 
Imagine now that they ask for volunteers from the community to collect that money. And someone down the road whom you know volunteers. You didn't like them particularly, but now they've joined with the occupiers. And they go around from house to house, flanked by their two Russian soldier bodyguards, collecting money from you and from others. And you notice in time that they move from their house down the road into a bigger place, a grand house that's been taken over, that they now occupy. They seem to enjoy the protection of the Russians. They enjoy good food, good wine. Of course, no one from the local community goes there, but they have their own circle of friends who do likewise. They are detested. Now we understand what the tax collectors in Israel were like. Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector of the Roman army occupying Israel, who brutalized the people, who strung up dissenters and nailed them on crosses. They were despised as sinners, traitors, those who belong to the other side. Jesus is entering Jericho. He's on his final legs of the journey towards Jerusalem where he will meet his own death. He's performed this extraordinary miracle on the outskirts of Jericho just as he comes in, the healing of blind Bartimaeus. The crowds are coming with him. He is a sensation. After three years of public ministry, the end is drawing close. The thing about being despised by everybody is that you have to form some kind of impenetrable barrier around yourself, don't you? You have to form a shield that no one can get through. What's it like to be hated and despised by your own kin? I suspect Zacchaeus had had to do that all his life. Being a man of short stature, it wouldn't surprise me if he suffered from what I call little man syndrome. You know, the sort where a small, a small person, often a male, has to try and project this larger-than-life character, this bossy, loud person to make up for their shortness in stature, so that they're not overlooked. Not, over, not ignored, and climb the social heights, if not the physical ones. But word has reached Jericho of this Jesus. Because just before he reaches Jericho, Jesus has told 
this parable. The parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. And here we have the chief tax collector in Jericho. And somehow, perhaps from that parable, we don't know, a chink in his armour has formed. A crack. And somehow, light has begun to enter in. And he, in the knowledge of his own rottenness, thinks maybe there is redemption. And so Zacchaeus runs ahead to try and find a place where he can see this Jesus. He who lives in this great mansion, he's extraordinarily wealthy on the back of the blood of his people. And he runs and finds a tree that he climbs up. Much like a tree that the man he's trying to see <clears throat> will climb up in a few weeks' time. And Zacchaeus climbs up into this sycamore tree and waits to see. All he wants is to see. And Jesus comes, and somehow, we don't know how, he knows Zacchaeus' name. And when he reaches that tree, he looks up and he says, Zacchaeus, come down. I will dine with you today. Imagine that happening in Ukraine. Imagine this henchman of the Russian army being invited by the local saviour to dinner while all the others are starving and being brutalised by the invading army. But something happens, doesn't it? And in this heart, which has seen love, possibly for the first time ever, the armour falls away and this broken, bleeding heart is revealed. The love of God has entered the darkness and split it open. And what comes out is an abundance of light and love that was hiding inside it all the time. And now pours out. Why? Because he too is a son of Abraham, just, brothers and sisters, as each of you are. When we come to God, we come with our hearts rent asunder, not pointing fingers at others, pointing all the fingers at ourselves never criticising others, for we know that inside us the same darkness dwells. But the thing is that as we come before God in this way, we bring 
the whole world with us. The darkness of everybody. The pain of those who struggle. The Russian soldier. The Ukrainian widow. The Somali child starving. The pain of the world comes with us in our hearts. That is what we are doing here, now. We only have the now in which to live. This moment is eternity. And here, bring all of humanity into God's presence and let his light shine in your hearts and redeem the world through you. Amen.